G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision. So let's turn our attention to the developments in the war-torn nation of Ukraine, where the Russian invasion continues to wreak unspeakable horrors and even the possibility of World War III. Insights into the horror of war with a special guest today, a doctor working in Ukraine. Dr. Rudy Myhovich is a neurologist and president of the Christian Medical Association of Ukraine. His organization was working towards building a better health system before the war. But with the Russian invasion came a pivot to become an aid and logistics provider across the country, caring for both civilians and military, including in deoccupied and frontline areas. Well, Dr. Rudy Myhovich is in Australia as a guest of the Australian Christian Medical and Dental Fellowship. He, as I said, is president of the Christian Medical Association of Ukraine and our absolute pleasure to welcome to 2020 Dr. Rudy. Rudy, welcome along. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. And um, I will have to listen to this skillet song at the end after our conversation. <laughs> Hey, Rudy, it's almost two years now since the invasion began. I wonder if you've got a, an overall reflection of your experience of the war so far. Uh, yeah, actually, there's many thoughts because it's unprecedented uh, circumstances and situation, not for only Ukraine, but for the world. And the world is changing, the world peace is changing, and as you mentioned, yes, we have to talk about possibility, and it's not just some theory of World War Three, because this what's going on in Ukraine, it's not only about Ukraine and Ukrainians. It's showing that any dictator can come and occupy the territory, so, and the world will just watch and, and, and wait. And of course, if the conflict goes beyond the borders of Ukraine and into any of the NATO nations, uh, that's the thing that could spark the World War Three. Is this something that ordinary Ukrainians think about, about what happens if Putin succeeds and Ukraine, and, and Ukraine is invaded and uh, the possibilities of, of Russia going even further? Uh Look, as a doctor, there are such things that you cannot have mistakes. As a surgeon, you don't have another mistakes to do another operations when it's complicated. And I would put this question also in such perspective. Uh, we already have a lessons from the history, and uh, Russia didn't show the um, peacefulness. They they occupied uh, some of the territories in 2014. Crimea and, and Donetsk. They occupied uh, Georgia in 2008. They occupied part of Moldova. They had a war with Chechen. Also, we're covering the terrorist attack 
but if you're gonna learn uh, more in details everything what was going on it's about just occupation and we 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 ukrainians we didn't believe that russia is going to attack full-scale invasion it's 21st century what the point but it happened and we we can see from their propaganda television they already talking that they are fighting not with ukraine but with nato and mm-hmm. in social polls the biggest enemy is NATO, not Ukraine. So World War Three is as close as the Russian attitude to the war, which is not just about the occupation of Ukraine, but, as you say, war with NATO, uh, all of those different states that are a part of the NATO states. Let me ask you about your role as a doctor. Uh, with all of the bloodshed, uh, the injuries... I wonder if you've got a reflection on what your role has been over these past two years uh, in your position as president of the Christian Medical Association of Ukraine. So since the first day I, I had to stop my practice and um, work as a president of CMA because I, I've been more useful in this position and by God's mercy we've been able to bring goods for more than 150 million dollars worth it's roughly uh it's and, and all the amazing things about education and i can bring more changes and goods on this position than just to be a doctor and yes definitely we see the amount of injury and, and patients is just enormous it's not a covid it's something that we have never faced and and world we we have a great world in collaboration with plastic surgeon from the states, one of the best plastic surgeon in the U.S., and they are coming to operate on war injury, and they facing the trauma that is horrible and so complicated, so difficult. Um, so yes, yes, it's been massive. So what you're saying is that there are doctors, there are surgeons who are coming into Ukraine and uh, let's say from different places all over the world because they recognise the need is so strong there. Uh, the sorts of injuries, and uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not sure how graphic you can be uh, here. Uh, you know, I think you've got a free reign to just let us know what's the truth of what's going on, but. What sort of injuries are presenting themselves most, uh, say, when there's been a bombing or uh, people coming back from the front line? Uh, what sort of injuries are you dealing with? So, um, as Russia mined every field, not every kilometer, but every square meter, the amount of money that Soviet Union is prepared right now is using a lot. Second, it's uh, drones. This is a new war that war have never done and America have never faced before. The drone war. And small, big drones, they are using constantly both sides. And, uh, and other countries are a lot helping to uh, Russia in the drone uh, direction. So this, and of course artillery. So a lot of amputations, a lot of explosions, a lot of, um, uh, not, not so many... Um, the sh- gun, uh, gunshots, because as, as I mentioned, to have a um, close fight, you have to go through, went through minefield, drone field, to all other artillery shots and survive. 
to have a close um, gunfight. So most of the time it's this, and you can see from the explosions, it's dramatically big injuries. Do we know, Rudy, uh, what the death toll is so far uh, on the Ukrainian side or on the Russian side? You might have a a good indicator from your position as to what those numbers might look like. Uh, The death toll, I want to ask you about the injuries because this is where you come into play as a doctor, but uh, do, do we know what the death toll is at this point? So from Russia's side, they have more than 300,000 um, death, death people, but they are not valuing those people because it's prisoners and uh, mobilized uh, men are from occupied territories. The fear is a big weapon. If they are coming to Ukrainians that are under occupation and telling them, we're going to kill you or you're going to go to the front and you will have possibility to survive there or killed by Ukrainians. We're going to kill you 100%. So they are not valuing the lie. Uh, Ukrainians' losses um, by official representative, they are smaller. We don't know exact numbers. It's still big. It's still big. Um, I, I don't want to tell the numbers because it's a little bit private conversation and information that cannot be shared, but it's, it's big numbers. But this is a price that we are paying for freedom. We don't have other choice. And uh, I think our listeners will appreciate that there are sensitivities and there may be some things you might not be able to share. And uh, we'll ask the questions, but uh, you'll know what you're able to uh, deliver uh, without compromising any security. I guess what I'm getting to, uh, so far as the numbers of the dead, is that uh, even though you're working with uh, the wounded and you're treating those who have uh, suffered horrendous wounds in war... Uh, that for each person who has died in the conflict, uh, that leaves a family without a a husband or a father or a mother. Uh, And that obviously has a huge effect on the nation. How do you, if we're sort of checking the pulse of Ukraine, how do we feel about the loss of life and the loss to families that that means? It's complicated. I personally lost a couple of friends during this war, and it's, it's... It's complicated, and um, I just yesterday uh, there was prison exchange with people from um, Ukrainian uh, soldiers that had been captured in Russia on Russia soldiers, and there was a one man who were defender of Mariupol, the city in, in Ukraine that right now under occupation, and they were fighting together with his wife, and they had two children. Uh, to uh, daughters, and uh, the wife was released faster, like a year ago, uh, from from the captureness, and uh, uh, the husband was released yesterday. But um, when he made a call to his daughter or to his um, family, he discovered that rocket a couple months ago hit in Dnipro city and killed his wife and uh, younger daughter. So right now he released a soldier, and you can imagine only by this story, I, when I was reading it, it, it just broke my heart. And uh, we have similar story when rocket trapped in the building and killed a daughter, a child, and, 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 and wife, and father was, went to army and also died with the time. So um, it's absolutely crazy. 
these are tragic, tragic stories. And as you say, you've personally lost friends. Uh, as I understand it too, Rudy, you also lost a pastor uh, of recent times. Uh, that was, was it your pastor that was killed? Uh, not, not my personal pastor, but yes, the uh, pastor, they're serving as a chaplain on the phone. And uh, they sometimes really hostile because uh, the moral, spiritual support is extremely important. The war, it's like, this is a place where when devil is working a lot and there are no quietness. The explosion and shots is all the time. So to have inner peace is so important and have motivation. Sometimes it's even more important than to have a weapon. Because when you have motivation and, and inner peace, you can fight. But you can, if you have a big tanks, but you don't have inner peace, you can lose the fight. I want to talk to you some more about that inner peace. Because in a nation that is war-torn, and uh, sometimes we're familiar with this terminology, shell shock or PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, people are suffering dramatically. And I do want to ask you about that inner peace because uh, when we talk about our Christian gospel and the power of God and the strength that can come when our relationship is right with him, I do want to pursue those with you. But I do want to invite listeners uh, to join in our conversation. So we will open our talkback lines uh, and we'll take some calls as uh, we're able. 1-800-316-316. Dr. Rudy Myhovich is our guest. He's a neurologist and president of the Christian Medical Association of Ukraine. He's here in Australia, a guest of the Christian Medical and Dental Fellowship of Australia. Let me give the website. M, that's cmdfa.org.au. cmdfa.org.au. Uh, we'll be talking about what sort of needs are there, and that will be your connecting point. Our special guest is Dr. Rudy Myhovich. He's a neurologist and president of the Christian Medical Association of Ukraine. We are talking about what life is like in Ukraine, in the war zone, and what special needs there may be. Uh, Rudy, I mentioned just before the break, uh, I'd love to talk to you about the trauma that is being suffered by so many Ukrainians. Uh, with such death and destruction and the walking wounded, no doubt uh, the PTSD issues, uh, the post-traumatic stress disorder, people who are just not what they used to be. Sometimes we used to call it shell shock. And uh, you seem to indicate that people are in a constant sh state of shell shock. I wonder if you've got any thoughts here about how people are coping with that war zone. Uh, I'm not going to describe you uh, a super optimistic view uh, because the situation is really, really challenging. And uh, as a Christian as an organization, we're trying to came with a Christian perspective on solution uh, because we strongly believe only God can give a peace. doesn't matter what's going on because you know that sometimes it's everything in Australia can be all right and you don't have a peace, but the same the opposite. Everything can explode, the world, people are dying, but you can have inner peace and be okay. So uh, that's why we together with um, Christian organization in um, Netherlands and Dutch government been able to organize a training for chaplains for mental health support. Because in this question, prevention is also important. 
uh, and we train the chaplains that are responsible for spiritual for mental stages of soldiers um, to be able to overcome, to not face the troubles, the complications that they can. Right now we are training, we already been trained more than 30, 40 chaplains and we've been able to train more than 130 and it will uh, it will impact on more than 60,000 soldiers, defenders that are fighting on the front. And it's not just theoretical help, it's absolutely practical with the gospel, with um, very practical view uh, how we can, as a, how chaplains can help and support, pray for our defenders. Now, I would imagine that, you know, when we talk about PTSD and the sorts of uh, psychological challenges that people are facing in a war zone, and you're indicating you've got 40 chaplains or up to 40 chaplains already functioning, and no doubt not only with the civilian population, but on the front lines uh, with your soldiers, um, 60,000 fighters, I think you said. Uh, the need for more chaplains is is quite significant. Uh, is Is it hard to find people who are ready to be on the front lines with those fighters, chaplains who are ready to take this message of the gospel. And as you say, God can bring peace. And there's a peace that passes all understanding. And uh, we all have appreciation of that. But is it hard to find chaplains uh, to be trained up and to actually expose themselves to the dangers and be there alongside troops? Um. I would say no, it's not difficult to find there are many people and that is surprising me because it's dangerous again and again. It's only in films, it's beautiful and courageous. I have I have a friend who came from Germany, he's a young boy, 21 years old, strong, big, um, and he was like, I'm going to fight, I'm going to join the army. And he didn't join, but he was in education, he is still in education brigade. After first his rotation, he lost all his masculinity and said, Rudy, it's so fear, it's so stressful, it's so scary. And, and I'm surprised that our chaplains are ready to go. The bigger question with financial support of salaries, because everyone wants to donate to, 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 to different things, but when we're talking about financial support of the family as a chaplain, sometimes they can go to army officially, but they also have limitations. So sometimes I know churches are supporting the chaplains to be on the throne so they can exist. And sometimes, and and I think it's showing to us that how important it is to um, uh, impact uh, or emphasize not on resources but put uh, put money in people, help help people to help other people and not just to buy the cars and, and, and facilities. We know from our own Australian history the value of chaplains as they have performed amazing duties on the front lines with soldiers in past wars. And uh, I know that listeners can certainly identify as you're sharing the value of a chaplain that brings the presence of God and even the peace of God uh, into very fearful situations. And I imagine just to, to stay with the sort of stress that comes upon a life, the sort of trauma, because you've got not only uh, those civilians uh, with drone attacks and uh, with mines, but those who are on the front line who are fighting in the war, being exposed to death, 
uh, to body parts, uh, rape, torture and violence. There are deep psychological wounds, aren't there, that people suffer. And uh, these are not easy to overcome. And it's not just like you take a pill and it's all gone. This is where the value of the Christian chaplain is so powerful, isn't it? It is. It is. Uh, because sometimes I think our psychiatry, they cannot answer all the challenges that people are facing. Uh, killing people, it's complicated. And you have moral, doesn't matter what you believe. 80s believer Christian, it's complicated. So you have to have other perspective, and and it's so important. I was talking the other day with a psychiatrist, and he told people are coming to me and asking, "But well, am I doing okay or, or bad? Because I don't want to kill people." And one day, why I'm telling that we are not just fighting with some Russia, we are fighting with for good for democracy. I was talking to a soldier and, and he showed me the video of one of the attacks that they were doing. And um, uh, um, at that fight, this soldier, the Russian soldier killed one of the Ukrainian soldiers, but Ukrainians got injured, the soldier, and they started to give him first aid. I was looking at video. It's, it's, not, it's not, not just some story, fairy tale. It's a video. And I was asking, how are you in such fight was able to find a humanity in you, inside of you, and give medical help to this soldier? He just killed your friend. I am as a Christian. I, I don't know, will I have, would I have such a love and care about my opponent? And he told me, would you, if I would not do this, I would not forgive myself. And it's so important in such evil place to not lose humanity and, and to, 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 to see even in those opponent, aggressor, still see what you can. Because if we would continue to fight, yes, I would kill him. But he gave up, he gave his weapon away, and I tried to give him a help. Rudy, before we get into some other uh, significant areas of what's developing, let me ask you about the biggest needs. The biggest needs that you have as a Christian doctor, uh, what are the things that you're facing right now uh, so far as uh, whether it's physical needs or we talked about uh, you know, more doctors coming from around the world and participating in uh, doing some work there in Ukraine? Where, in your mind, what's the biggest need? I think um, our the biggest need for Ukraine and CMA, we ask you, change the perspective on looking at us, from helping to standing with us, from a position like we are holding hands for you, like to position we are want to succeed a common good outcome. What does it mean? So we need not only just help, uh, um, like some donations, money, or in-kind donations. Uh, we need that you're be interested in how it was spent, control it. Not only to CMA, but all other, we're asking all other organizations, charities, and government, help us to be better. And it means sometimes education. It means sometimes come to Ukraine and, and, and do operations together train uh, because in such way firstly we will both be beneficial you will learn something from us we will learn definitely something from you and and because sometimes we are having this Af sort of african approach when we're 
give something a shoebox and we're happy with it but we have to change it and the war showed it that when you come into some country you have to listen local needs and try to 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 have a bigger deeper impact and it's impossible with just giving one shoebox so you can be actively involved in supporting efforts in the war in Ukraine by standing alongside uh, the Christian Medical Association of Ukraine and uh, making that a focal point. So uh, any one of us here in Australia, and particularly those, I guess, with a focus on any areas uh, around uh, medicine and uh, caring for people who are deeply injured, uh, those are the sorts of people who are going to make the biggest impact. But ordinary people can stand alongside you as well. Let me ask you about one particular area that may be a very significant need, and that is for the support for burns victims. How significant is this uh, that you'd like support for? Um, So, yeah, we have a huge challenge with problem with burns if you're going to get more than 50 percent of the body burns the probability is that you're going to survive less than 20. so eight out of ten will die if they get massive burn and uh, when we understood this huge problem we said we we have to do something and um, we've been able to get a, a proof from Taiwanese government uh, to get $1.9 million grant for uh, purchasing some of the Australian great product from um, one of the companies, BTM, uh, Artificial Skin. They gave us a good discount, praise the Lord, um, to, to make a purchase. But not only that, as I said, it's so important to do education. When we're talking what what how people can help, do at least something. It's so important. It's so important to do at least something. And from your something, God will multiply. God will bring from your small contribution something big. I, I we can talk hours. I can I can I can sit with you hours, just give you example and and telling you that this is so true that when you're gonna do something. God will do more. He wants to collaboration, but he it is impossible collaboration with God if you're not going to do something. And you know, often we think that we want to make a contribution in Christian mission, and uh, we think of missionaries that will go abroad and will take the gospel. But uh, what you're describing right now is an opportunity for listeners to our conversation today to be involved in a Christian mission enterprise by actually supporting in all of these different ways, uh, actively being involved by standing with the Christian Medical Association of Ukraine in all of the needs that are there as war continues. And, of course, Burns victims are very much in need right now. And, yes, we're all aware that Australia has been on the cutting edge with some of that technology, with uh, skin uh, when there is uh, burns, uh, burn conditions. Let me ask you about some other religious issues here. Uh, Religious freedom in Russia, and from my understanding here, Rudy, uh, you've been called on from time to time to correct some of the misperceptions that people have about religious freedom in Russia under President 
Putin and in occupied territories. How do you see the church and religious freedom in Russia and what's happening in those nations? Thank you so much for this question, because this is one of the topics that is hardly ever discussed uh, in primary in democratic west we the people like to think that russian they are standing for christian values against lgbt um, adult, uh, abortion and all other questions but first of all christians are this faith that we need is this a christian faith that we are looking for our values i don't think so and second of all putin is using the church as a covering and there is no God at his action at all. There's more tradition when we're talking about those question, but definitely not a church. Uh, if you want to have more insight or understanding of this situation, you have to go into history. The challenge of Western society, we don't know the history. And Hitler did the same with the church. Read the Bonhoeffer, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, which challenges he had in um, during Hitler's ruling. Hitler was using the church the same as a covering to bring God's word and, and, and church all over the country. And he was fighting with atheistic Soviet Union, covering the church. But truly, it was... It wasn't the church. They changed the cross on Hitler's swastika. The same in Russia. It's not a Orthodox Moscow church. It's Orthodox Putin church that's been covered. His blessing. They praying for under rockets. He's um, he's using a system of priests on Ukraine as a spies. So sometimes you can hear that Ukraine government is. Um, taking those Russian Moscow Orthodox priests and put in the prison or close their churches. Not because we have religious, not, we don't have religious freedom. No, we can talk. I'm telling you, we have so much freedom, so much, sometimes it's too much. And, and you can believe in whatever you want, but you cannot be a Russian spy. And I was thinking, why, uh, why, why Russia on occupied territory have uh, approach to Protestant pastors like they are American spies? Because they do it the same in Ukraine, and they put in prison some of the Protestant pastors. They close the churches and using right now as a, their politician um, point in Melitopol, uh, and we see how church, especially Protestant church, are built close. And, and yes, it's obvious fact that we, we can see and we can research and prove. So when Putin is using the church as a covering, as you say, uh, this is an interesting thing, and you are reflecting on history too, that when the church cozies up to leaders... Uh, the leader then uses the church. And uh, when you describe the Russian church, the Orthodox church, as the Putin church, uh, what you're saying is that the church is under the control of Putin. And that's why a separation of church and state needs to be a necessity. And when you've got priests then considered to be spies, particularly on the Protestant side, so if you're not in the Orthodox Church, the state-run church of Putin, uh, then you might be considered to be a spy. And so Protestants then become the outliers. They become the ones who are to be uh, 
to be to be skeptical about. So when we talk about this separation of the church from the state, is there any hope, do you think, for the Russians to be able to get that separation back or are they too far under the thumb of President Putin? Oh, I, w- I want to have hope. I want to have hope, and uh, without hope, um, y- you just will give up and, and stop to do something. And especially, I believe in the church. I believe the church is not the hand of uh, uh, man's. It's uh, the business of God. It's his job and his creature, and he will take care. And uh, as Hitler was punished by the using the church as a covering uh, for his propaganda, I believe that Putin is also going to be punished by that, not by people. And people didn't kill Hitler; he killed himself. God will, God will do the justice. The question: What is going to do the church in that time? Will will we help God, or we will be passive? Let's get back to some of the issues around uh, the the challenge of all of the destruction that's going on, uh, certainly uh, throughout many parts of Ukraine, uh, caring for the wounded, which is what doctors do. Uh, caring for the wounded, as I understand it, that's getting harder and harder too because uh, just a month ago an ambulance was hit by artillery fire. Uh, this sort of thing is a constant ongoing concern when you're trying to care for the wounded. Yes, yes, all the time. Unfortunately, they are hunting for the ambulances because they, if they're going to kill the medic, they will able to um, kill or uh, injured um, four more other soldiers. Because without, when you find it without medical support, you are more afraid. You're going to get injury. You're not going to be given professional help. So they are hunting for medics. We were surprised by this. It's too too awful. But when we were talking with people that were fine with the Russian army in Syria and other countries, they said it's a normal practice that Russian army is using. They always try to hunt the medics, paramedics. So, yes, uh, thank God this, uh, my friend, that he survived. He'd been under rehabilitation and right now he come back to the front as giving help as a medic. Please continue to pray for him because um, it's very devastating and 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 um, complicated area and he needs mental support spiritual support that god be with him interesting isn't it because we often will think of the medics and the paramedics <coughs> pardon me as being in some ways neutral but as you say uh, the Russian forces are targeting medics and paramedics, and uh, hence you've got that evidence there with the Ukraine being hit, uh, with the ambulance being hit by <coughs> artillery. Um, let me just ask you, Rudy, something a little more personal, because you remain a civilian at this present time, and uh, for listeners, I know listeners will be very surprised to hear that you are only 28 years old and you're leading the uh, this uh, medical association there in U- Ukraine. But you remain a civilian now, but there is uh, some risk that you yourself could even be conscripted to serve as a soldier. How does all that work? Yes, yes, I can be recruited to army and serve uh, in army. And um, this is our reality. And uh, for for me, it was 
big question what should i do should i stay in the country should i leave should what should i do of course i i can be recruited as a doctor uh, and and help um, as a doctor uh, but for us it's right now everyone the, the difference look the big difference um between democracy country and and totalitarian dictatorship countries democracy countries they always like they want to have a motivation and all other the dictators country they're not asking about motivations they just telling you we're going to kill you or you have to go to the front and and this is a difference and this i think sometimes and even I'm thinking, maybe people are thinking about our conversation. Oh, Rudy, it's not so bad. People, it's even worse than that I can describe you. Sometimes even I don't know all awfulness of what's going on about raping children, men's captured soldiers, killing. It's horrible. And 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 I'm weeping and, and asking people to join to help not because of ukrainian because i'm telling you if you're not gonna stop evil in one place it's gonna spread as disease all over the world and uh, and this is what we i'm afraid we will pay for the our freedom and our our land but i'm telling you you will also pay if you're not going to do something right now to stop the evil. Everyone, it's all over the world. We can see it in Middle East, Israel, in Taiwan and China. It will happen if we're not going to stop right now. As you say, it spreads like a poison, and that's why uh, the battle in Ukraine is a battle that the whole world needs to be focused on and even involved in in ways that are uh, obviously uh, going to uh, preserve uh, peace in the in those other states uh, while it, while that peace is being preserved but as you say uh, things get out of hand and the whole world will be involved in what will eventually potentially be a world war 3 the people of ukraine rudy uh, their support for President Volodymyr Zelensky. Uh, how is that support going? Is there any waning support, or is uh, your leader still uh, considered to be something of a hero to the Ukrainian people? Again, we are a democratic country. Only in dictatorship country you have one leader that everyone likes. So in our country, you can tell anything about Zelensky, Zeluzhny, or any other our leaders. And we don't have, and the same in Australia or United States, you can tell whatever you want. So absolutely, in the beginning, the first years, we were much more supportive of Zelensky. But when time go on, we see the mistakes of decision or mistakes of communication, government with civilians. And of course, in the times of recent news, maybe you heard about conflict between Zelensky and Zeluzhny. It's something that disturbs us, uh, this politician battle field um, that can be uh, still majority support Zelensky because he showed up as a leader who will not leave the country in the most crucial time and and will be ready to die uh, for 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 the values that we, we believe in um, of course time go on and and different challenges but I think it's not a question of Zelensky or Zeluzhny. it's a question um, of people that are ready to fight doesn't matter who is going to be as a leader 
and those values that are being fought for. As you say, uh, Ukrainians don't want a Russian rulership over them and there is a real passion for defending that homeland in Ukraine. Let me move on to the next generation because as Ukraine is losing a generation of young men, uh, children become a focus because there now are a significant number of children who've been orphaned, uh, who've become wards of the state. Uh, so far as your role there, um, is there any thought or any comment that you've got around uh, what's happening to the children of Ukraine? Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much for asking the question. It's a very important question. First of all, uh, my church, uh, we have a ministry for orphanage. Um, and, and we're helping. And this is one of the messages that I want uh, to Australian churches, find Ukrainian church that you can partnership and create a sisterhood program to help individual church. That will help you understand a more real needs. Uh, because it's not just far away, it will help you to understand what, what every church can do and, and multiply their work. So my, my church is doing a lot of job with orphanage and it's increasingly number when people um, children are losing parents or parents are losing children but other moment that I want to talk it's about um, it's it's been approved by international independent court and in, in inspection the Russians uh, they kidnapping children and this is what is really horrible when we're talking about oh the Russian is not so bad we know them no look at them they're kidnapping children and they're brainwashing them. They're telling, we are taking you to camp and we will spend time with you. And they, they're telling, oh, your, ch- your parent, they gave up you because you're a Russian-speaking child or they don't worry about, they don't care about you. And they left to Ukraine. So they hate their parents. They feel, um, gave up. And yeah, they brainwashed them. More than 3,000 children have been kidnapped already. Kidnapped children and, uh, of course, then uh, the so many more who have been orphaned and become wards of the state because they've lost uh, parents. Uh, just very quickly, the churches. Um, I know that some churches have closed. Uh, others have become sanctuaries for people who have been displaced. Um, churches in general, have you got a, an overall all just a image of, of the work of of churches, uh, the, those that are continuing to function in Ukraine? Yes, and I'm telling you, uh, sometimes we people think churches weak, but I want to really encourage you. Church is strong, especially in complicated time, in such dark time. The light of the God, uh, gospel can light, be lighter. And and church is growing, uh, in, even in the most difficult area when it was less than 50 members. Right now, there are more than 200 members in small village church. And church became a physical and spiritual shelter sometimes. We give, provide help, food, clothes, mental support. Church is a family. And in this time, you, you need a family. You need a family. And just on another personal note there too, Rudy, you're here in Australia and you're a guest 
of the Australian Christian Medical and Dental Fellowship. Uh, but you've left your wife uh, back in Ukraine to make this visit to Australia. And as I understand it, you're missing the birthday of your three-year-old son. So uh, special honour to you because uh, here you are talking to us and you're missing a very important birthday, the three-year-old birthday for your son. I know that there'll be listeners who would like to stand alongside you and I'm going to give the website in just a moment for the Christian Medical and Dental Fellowship of Australia. You've got a very good relationship with the Australian Christian Medical and Dental Fellowship. Uh, This is something that's continuing and no doubt there are uh, medicos coming from Australia and they're supporting some of the effort that's going on to care for Ukrainians who are under such uh, hardship at this time. Uh, have you got a special message at all for uh, for those listeners right now who are thinking maybe I can do something to be a help? What would you say to encourage those listeners? So firstly, continue to pray. We don't see the end of the war. Be ready for a long time. Be patient, but continue to pray. I believe that only God's miracle can finish it and and help us. Second, uh, please support support Australian Christian Medical uh, Association to because we are great partners. And I believe if even small contribution but stable contribution can can help and support and make a difference. I, I'm telling you, this uh, the master seed parable. It's about not a big um, fruit. It's about small step of faith that we have to do. Everyone, and with big, with small step, it's going to be big changes. I I saw it, and I, I and I can prove you it. And third, do something. Do something. Just decide not to be passive, but do something. Pray. Text uh, to um, Aaron Crocker, that wonderful partner to us. They've been praying for us for a long, long period, and I'm extremely grateful for, to them and especially to Aaron. Um, connect with Dr. Lara. Aaron uh, will tell you to also maybe to to her more how how you can help. So we are grateful for already what you're doing. It's amazing. Thank you so much. Uh, Some uh, wonderful identities, uh, Ernest Crocker and uh, Lara, as you mentioned, uh, people that you'll connect with uh, when you go to the website of the Christian Medical and Dental Fellowship of Australia. Let me give that website because no doubt there'll be some listeners right now who are saying, I've never even heard of the Christian Medical and Dental Fellowship of Australia. I need to be connected right now. So here's the website, cmdfa.org.au. That's the initials of the Christian Medical and Dental Fellowship of Australia and this wonderful connection to the Christian Medical Association in Ukraine. And that's the association that Dr. Rudy Majovic is leading right now. And uh, Rudy, I must say, just uh, humbly, thank you so much for sharing your heart uh, with us today on 2020. Australian listeners uh, have no doubt appreciated uh, coming in behind the scenes and recognising just how significant the conflict is and how dreadful Uh, those stories are that are emerging uh, from a war zone. Thank you so much for sharing your heart with us and with listeners today on 2020. Thank you so much for asking to come. It's an honour to be and talk. It's also extremely important not to stop because sometimes the devil wants to choose to be stopped. 
But we as a Christian, I think we have to fight for the truth. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.